The Start On Demand. Hi there, it's Brett. It's the Tuesday edition of the podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And we are going to start the podcast by talking about baggage fees. WestJet and Air Canada both announcing on the same day that baggage fees are going up. So we're going to have coffee and talk about whether or not that will deter us from checking luggage the next time we get on a plane. Then we are going to hear from a Winnipeg father whose stepson was brutally attacked on August 18th in Central Park. This father has written an open letter to Mayor Brian Bowman asking him what he and the city's leaders plan to do about all the violence in the city because there has been a rash of violence in and around downtown of late. We're also going to talk about lice, how to help your kids avoid getting lice as they go back to school. And finally... The U.S. and Mexico strike an accord. As far as trade is concerned, how does that weigh in for Canada? We'll hear from Global's David Aiken on that subject. Enjoy the podcast. Travelers taking Air Canada and WestJet can now expect to cough up a little extra for baggage fees. They're bumping the fees for the first check bag by 5 bucks to $30, and by $20 for the second bag to $50. For years, the airlines checked the first bag for free, but that policy largely ended across the industry by 2014. So today we're having coffee talking about baggage fees. Will higher baggage fees stop you from checking a bag when you fly? And Greg, uh, one of the lessons I first learned in radio came from Bob Irving. Illustration is better than explanation, and you've pulled a clip here to illustrate a point. (laughs) Well, Ben Stiller does a really good job of presenting a point, shall we say? I'm sorry, sir. You're going to have to check that. I got it. No, I'm sorry. That bag won't fit. No, no, I'm not. Hey, I'm not checking my bag. Okay. okay, there's no need to raise your voice, sir. I'm not raising my voice. This would be raising my voice to you, okay? I don't want to check my bag, okay? And by the way, your airline, you suck at checking bags, okay? Because I already did that once and you lost it. And then I had everything screwed up very badly for me, okay? Uh, well, I can assure you that your bag will be placed safely below deck with the other luggage. Oh, yeah? How do you know my bag will be safe below with the other luggage? Huh? Are you physically going to take my bag and put it beneath the plane? Are you going to go right now outside with the guys with the earmuffs and go put it in there? No. No? Okay. Then shut your pie hole and listen to me when I say that I am finished with the checking of the bags conversation. Just part of one of the best scenes in Meet the Parents. (laughs) Ben Stiller, who, uh, yeah, basically that whole movie, uh, Jeff, is based on and predicated on the fact that uh, Greg, uh, or Gaylord Falker, loses Loses his bag. bag. Right at the beginning. (laughs) Everything went downhill from there. That was awesome. Losing the bag is one reason to check it, but the payment now... I mean, I, I have a family of four, so if we go anywhere, we have no choice but to pay for that check bag. But the last time we went, just on the last prices, I jammed everybody's stuff into one bag. I, you can call me cheap. I don't care. I was not going to pay that but, extra. But if you're over 50 pounds or whatever it is, it's it's actually That's when che- you put the old foot and kind of lift up the bag when it's on the scale, when it's, they can't see? It's actually, well, like before <laughs> they raised the second bag uh, to 50 bucks, it was actually cheaper to pay for a second piece of baggage than it was for overweight limit. Yeah. Really? Yes. And then is that the overweight applies to carry-on as well? Uh, Well, no, no. Carry-on is is carry-on. This was just for a checked bag. If it's over a certain weight, then you have to pay 
uh, for however many pounds or uh, kilograms it is over the weight. But I yeah. can't believe yeah. carry-ons now. Like you talked about being overweight oh, for a huh? carry-on. I mean, they, they have to, they're supposed to fit in that little wee <laughs> thing that you see by the front gates, and then you walk into that onto that plane, and everybody has what looks to me like what used to be your normal size suitcase mm. go, going above yeah. or jamming it in. And as Brett was describing that story, I was just thinking it's. The flight attendants must be thinking, do we really have to do this? Because it's going to be Armageddon in the cab uh, for those, uh, you know, for the, in the cabin rather, for those people who think, oh, I'm not paying. I'm not paying, you know, for, for a bag. So they're going to try to cram everything. Now, there are still restrictions on the size that you can well, carry onto the airplane. Not to mention what you can put in that bag, right? Sometimes that dictates the for whole sure. fact that you yeah. check a bag. Because, you know, I, I, I don't like measuring out my shampoo and everything. It's just exactly. three fluid ounces. Yeah. Going, nah, heck, I'm putting it in. I'm putting, I'm checking a bag. And that really expensive cologne you like to travel with, well, too. Well, that. Yes, Kelly, that goes without saying. <laughs> you ever wash your hair on an airplane? Uh, Why do you have to bring um, any shampoo with you? No. Uh, <laughs> have you ever gone anywhere where they didn't have shampoo for you? Like Jeff in a hotel? Braun, please. That pedestrian sort of uh, shampoo doesn't work for this yeah. scalp. Come I on. used that this morning. I think it's uh, shampoo I took from the last hotel. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Really but Jeff, I'm liking yeah, you more I, and I, more I, as we go along here. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I, uh, I would not use a check bag if I could avoid it. I try to. I mean, it's been a while since I've traveled anywhere on a plane, but if I can get it into the carry-on, I would do that. I'd uh, Maybe I'll even watch George Clooney's. What's that movie that he was in? Up in the Air. Thank you very much. He's an expert packer, is he not? Yeah, because he flies all the time. Yeah, so he's got tricks on how to... Is it, does he roll? He ro- you got to roll everything, right? <laughs> is that what you do when you pack, McNabb? Do you I roll? roll. I do roll. I, I don't know if that makes any difference <laughs> at all because the same bag comes home and you know how at the end of the trip you're not rolling anything. You're just jamming it all into the suitcase and it all still fits. But I start off rolling. Okay. But are you not checking because of, because of money or because of just the convenience of Well, not- too, the, the money thing is definitely a deterrent. Uh, I would only check a bag if I absolutely have to. Like, I remember I went down to Houston for uh, WrestleMania X7 with my buddy Mike. We went for two days. Like, we, we got there. We flew in on the Saturday morning, and we were there for Saturday night, and I think we came back Sunday, and he brought a carry-on bag... <laughs> And a check bag. What? <laughs> so when he showed up, I'm like, what? how much luggage do you need for a weekend? And then we ended up having to sit at the airport for over an hour waiting for oh, his bag. Oh, and Houston is dreadfully slow. <laughs> yeah, it was slow. So yeah. in that context, I, that I would absolutely avoid bringing a check bag just for the convenience alone uh, because you don't need that much stuff, I don't think. But if you have the RBC WestJet credit card, what, you, don't have to, you don't have to pay for the first check bag. But Just how, that plug. How many wow. times, though, have you been on the plane, and not only do you watch people try to shove in the checked, or sorry, the carry-ons into places that don't fit, but then they don't have enough room, and then all the people who couldn't fit their bags right. above get, please bring your bag forwards, we'll, we promise we'll store it in, yep. a, in a good spot. So then they, the flight's delayed, because you're trying to figure out where all this luggage goes, you were supposed to have it on carry-on, now you got to wait for your bag anyway, and they got it for free, and that- I'm the sucker sitting behind that paid the... Paid the money. They're doing that more and more in the gate area, though. Can we have some volunteers? Yeah, with right. I do it all the time. I, it, Why not? Knock on wood. I've never had uh, traveling with my wife. I had uh, my bag lost once on a business trip, but uh, for uh, holidays and that, I've never had a bag lost yet. Well, that's because it's going right from 
the 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 jetway down to the to, to the plane, and then you collect you think it they can't screw right it at up the top there. of the yeah. jetway. Well, it's certainly limiting the amount. But I get a kick out of not only the size of the carry on, but you'll have these people that have their carry on, and then like a carry on size purse. And then their computer bag and all these personal items and, and everything. And a dog in a box, they're supposed too. To, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to limit these things, but they don't seem to do I it. I don't get that at all. If I can avoid carry-on, period, I do. I, I'll, I'll check a bag every time. I don't care about that at all. I don't mind. I like waiting and watching the bags go around at the thing at the end. That's a great way to end a trip, yeah, I think. I, but. Yeah, I'm not six foot four, so I can put my backpack underneath the seat and still have room for my legs. <laughs> but if I was Kelly's little legs six inches off. taller than... <laughs> Well, you're, not, your you're not a little guy, yeah. Kelly. Um, no, but I'm not six foot four, and my knees don't come up to my chin on an airplane either, too, though. So I could see where you would not want to do that because I've I've sat beside poor schmucks that that have uh, had to do that. Yeah, and and it, I can't, you know, it's a five hour flight to where we usually go. So I'm I thinking, why? Hate the fact this happens on the same day. It's so slimy, the fact that they come out with these announcements on the same day. Oh, come on. You're not really thinking the C word, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Greg. You may remember, not long ago... There was a vicious attack at Central Park that prompted police to tell people do not go there alone at night. Mike Enns, 19-year-old stepson, was there with a female friend on August 18th. Shortly before 2 o'clock in the morning, he was beaten, robbed, stabbed, and suffered life-threatening injuries. Since then, there have been a number of stabbings in the downtown area or not far away. A woman was sexually assaulted on the Riverwalk along the Assiniboine in broad daylight last week. A transit driver dragged from his bus and beaten at Portage and Colony. Enns is fed up with all this violence, and he's written an open letter to the mayor's office. It begins, Dear Mr. Bowman, I have a question for you. What are you waiting for? Enns spoke with the news on 680 CJOB yesterday afternoon with Julie Buckingham and guest host Christian O'Mell and explained what compelled him to write the letter. Well, I think in times like this, it would be really nice to hear from the leader of the city about strategies, about how the city is obviously hurting right now. People are worried. There's parts of this city that are no go zones. The meth problem, the police can't stay ahead of it. People can't walk on river trails at 5 p.m. without sexually assault, getting assaulted. Poor people go to work as transit employees so that they can get beaten up. Crime happens. It's particularly bad right now, and we need our leaders to comfort us, acknowledge what's happening, and tell us how to fix this. I have no issues with the police service. I think they are incredible. Everybody that dealt with us through this incident was professional, thorough, and accommodating. I have nothing but praise for the Winnipeg Police Service. However, I also feel very bad for these guys because I think they're understaffed, they're under-resourced, and it's got to be very hard to go to work every day and just throw your hands up and say, I can't get ahead of this. Enns was asked if he would have written this letter had he not been connected directly to the violence. Uh, I don't think I would have specifically penned a letter, no. Part of our healing process is to go through this and put some things on paper. But I think the thing that really bothers me is that I voted for Brian Bowman four years ago, and uh, I'm very disappointed in him because over the last couple of weeks, all we've seen from Brian Bowman is social media posts, attending Folkorama, cutting ribbons at coffee shops, etc., etc. And the news has been horrific the last week and a half. 
And I would expect that the leader of our city would would make a comment to the citizens about what's happening and what the plan is and what we're going to do about it. Is this something he plans to bring to all candidates in the election this fall? Uh, I don't plan on being a martyr for this cause. Currently, I do not support any candidate for mayor or city council. I'm apolitical as far as that goes. This is a single issue for me right now. Um, I suppose I would call on anybody to address what's happening in our city because, especially in the upcoming civic election, this is going to be a very big issue. And I don't see the problem getting better, uh, especially when we have the police telling citizens to just stay out of certain parts of town when the sun goes down. I think that everybody who's running for you know, city council or mayor should really look at themselves and say, you know what, how can I actually ask businesses and tourists to come to this city when the city is falling apart like this? Like, I know if I didn't live in this city and I wanted to bring a business here or I was bringing a family on holidays to Canada, I'm not sure that Winnipeg would be my my destination right now. And finally, he says the candidates should be concerned with, and Loren just mentioned we're going to be at Portage in Maine tomorrow morning. Well, he says the candidates should be concerned with more important issues than things like Portage in Maine. Well, what's the point of opening Portage in Maine if people can't come to work without getting beaten? What's the point of opening an intersection when people can't walk across it without getting sexually assaulted? What's the point of putting up soccer fields and mowing lawns and parks if people shouldn't go in them. I mean, we need to take a deeper look. Mike Enns, father from Winnipeg, whose stepson attacked in Central Park on August 18th. He's written an open letter to Mayor Brian Bowman. And in that letter, you know, he talks about you could read it as just being an angry parent. And yes, he is angry. But he also said Winnipeg is in a crisis. To be fair, the mayor has in months past spoken out about the meth crisis in Winnipeg alongside the chief of police and talked about the issue. But what this father is saying here is that he's concerned for more than just that that area. He's concerned for the greater good of Winnipeg and whether or not they feel safe in increasing pockets of the city. You have a police chief that has said that this meth crisis and the crime associated with it, quote, keeps him awake at night. And the dialogue surrounding this issue has been very, very quiet. Not enough conversation about this. And you want to talk about Portage in Maine? We are talking about it tomorrow because everyone gets to vote on this. There's a plebiscite issue. And to me, and I'll voice this tomorrow probably multiple times, that's a failing of leadership. There's no way this question should be on the ballot as a separate question for the city of Winnipeg to vote on, not because we're not capable of it, because it is just an intersection. Leaders are elected to lead. Brian Bowman had this part of his platform in the last election. He told all of us what he would do if elected mayor and if all the dominoes fell into place and if the property owners at each corner were prepared to open the intersection, that's exactly what would happen. And then here we are four years later when we're in the middle of a crisis like this that Mr. And so eloquently portrays and shares with us. And I think we all know it. And we're having to spend time on something like this because our leaders will not lead. And I think it's time that Mayor Bowman, that the chief of police, that some sort of plan is laid out to fix this. My concern, Loren, Brett, is that they don't have one because this problem is essentially unsolvable at this point in time. And if you think it's not impacting you, you listen to this father, his son was out, yes, after midnight, still was assaulted. You've got property crime up, you've got more bikes being stolen, you've got more cars being smashed. A lot of it keeps circling back to the meth. And 
and also police being assaulted on their own when they go out to stop some of these calls. And so I don't I think we're just at the beginning of what you might call a wave as this washes through the province. Also worth pointing out, though, that the mayor, Loren, issued a statement yesterday on the subject. Right. Uh, the mayor responded in a phone call, we understand, from the mayor's office shortly after this open letter went out. And the mayor apparently outlined some of the strategies he said the city is working on to combat the crime problem in Winnipeg, as well as the growing meth crisis. The issue for this father, as he explained to CGOB yesterday, is that it's been a particularly what it feels like violent couple of weeks when you speak about the stabbings in Central Park, the assault on his son. Uh, you mentioned the Riverwalk, Brett. And so he was concerned that nobody was talking about it, that, that the leadership of the city and this province needed to do more. The mayor, as you said, to be fair, did call back and say, this is what we're doing. But it raises a bigger question that I think we'll probably be talking about throughout the day is what can be done, because we know the numbers are staggering when it comes to meth and even violent crime. And, and while the overall trend might be down, Currently, we're seeing a rise in crime. Well, and there are a lot of things we're not even hearing about. Let's be truthful about this. Uh, We heard from Constable Rob Carver just over a week ago uh, to the fact that we're seeing about a gun call per day in Winnipeg. Not every single one of those gun calls uh, get written about or spoken about here at 680 CJOB. They're not always released to the public, but that's the fact is that we are dealing with more and more violence in our community. And as I mentioned earlier this morning, the police chief, Danny Smythe, has said this issue, the crystal meth issue, the methamphetamine issue and all the crime that goes along with it is keeping him awake at night. It's easy to also make it sound like a Winnipeg problem, but we've also heard crime in rural Manitoba is up some 42%. Meth largely blamed for some of the problems there. And so it doesn't become just, okay, what is our mayor doing about it? What is our premier, our health minister? What are we What are we talking about in terms of a long-term strategy? Because you keep hearing more of this stuff in the headlines as opposed to less. Well, and I think the concern for Mr. Enns, and I'm not going to speak for him, but the concern for me as a citizen is that we're not taking this crisis seriously enough. If you've had your window broken, if you've ha- left your car unlocked downtown and come back and found your change missing or something that you left on the seat, chances are, I'm not guaranteeing it, but chances are, according to police, you've been a victim of crime based on this drug epidemic in our city. If you've had your home broken into, a bicycle stolen, bicycles are the new they're the, they're the new currency of choice on the streets of Winnipeg. So, you know what? If you think this isn't affecting you, you're kidding yourself. It's affecting each and every one of us. And I agree with Mr. Enns. We need to speak more about it and we need to get more answers in terms of a plan. And we need to acknowledge that this is that we may be in over our heads here, but that doesn't mean we throw up our arms and say there's nothing we can do. Loren, let's talk about lice. Oh, do we have to? It's something we talk about every year, though, if you're a parent, because kids starting up a new year at school could be bringing home something other than homework. Getting head lice has become an unfortunate rite of passage for some youngsters. But are there steps parents can take to try and prevent their child's hair from becoming a nest for the creepy crawlers? 
Joining us live on 680 CGOB is Sarah Phillips, a.k.a. The Lice Lady. She runs the Slice of Lice Head Lice and Knit Removal Services. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, before we get all the supplies ready for kids in the back-to-school list completed, is there something else I should be doing as a parent to get my kids lice-proof? I would definitely be buying a good lice comb and peppermint oil. That's the best, like, you can... Do we do weekly head checks on your children, and uh, you want to find that bug as soon as it gets in there. The peppermint oil does that get it out, or that could help it prevent them? Help get it, no, it helps prevent them. It's like a repellent. Yeah, but with the comb and the peppermint oil, you're at better odds of not catching it than if you're doing nothing at all. Can you outline, Sarah, for us how you would apply the peppermint oil and where? Give us a little bit of a tutorial, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So you, I just get a little spray bottle and uh, fill it with water and put about three or four drops into the spray bottle and just spritz it over their hair. Every and, morning and, before they go to school? Yeah, absolutely. As wow. long as the lice have an amazing sense of smell, and it, and they don't like that. It sounds like you know an added step in the already busy mornings. But we've heard repeatedly in the last few years, Sarah, that head lice is on the rise in some spots, and you know in the states alone, the twelve million kids might get it in any year, and that's a lot. And it's not yep. it's not the kid who's not showering or all those sort of terrible stereotypes that come with it. It can be it can be anyone that can come home with it. You're correct. It's it's they're not. They just want to uh, find a home. And, uh... Oh, Sarah, are you still so, there? Oh, we lost hello? you for a, yeah. We just lost oh, you for I'm a here. second. Um, I'm here. Uh, they they breed quickly, so you want to get in there as quick as you can. Anybody can catch it. Sarah, we have a couple of people who texted us saying that they used tea tree shampoo on their yes. kids. Tea tree oil does not work as well as it did. Um the lice are becoming resistant to a lot of old tricks and uh, a lot of the, the products out there just don't work as well as they used to. Um, so peppermint is being found to use a lot, to work a lot better. Terrible news for uh, anyone who, who has a, their kids going to school, but we even talk about it for plane travelers. I know this month the warning went out for plane travelers to be cognizant of the fact that you might be able to catch it from the seats and someone advised using hairspray. Does that make a difference to spray your your hair with douse it with something uh uh, hairspray i mean it's not gonna what what the hairspray does is prevent your hair from having the little flyaways lice is mainly picked up from head-to-head contact not necessarily from uh, chair rests or head rests or pillows or i mean when when someone has lice i do recommend they wash their bed sheets and pillowcases and you know towels and stuff like that but after uh, the lice aren't sitting there waiting for you so are there some other habits maybe that kids might be oh maybe incorporating into their routine that might help prevent the spread of lice sarah like you know, swapping Preventing hats or, toques or yes yes you don't want to be uh you don't want to be sharing hairbrushes or sharing hats or toques or anything like that of course but um Keeping your hair up tied tight with a little hairspray in it so that it's slicked back is the best prevention. But finding it quickly is, is the best. If you can be checking weekly with a good lice comb rather than just with your eyes, you have a better chance of prevention then and finding it quickly before it spreads to everybody else. 
I joked off the top that it's lice is not something I want to talk about, but that's I, I'm a mother of two kids, and I just don't like the idea of actually finding it. You know, you live in fear that you're going to use that comb and find it. Exactly. But the prevention strategy is one thing. How quickly, if I do discover lice in in kids, how quickly can yes. you then treat it and and get rid of it? Well, the, the most important thing you can be doing if you're going to treat it yourself is to be combing and combing a lot. What what you put in it isn't as important as combing it and picking out everything. You have to pick everything out or it's going to start up again within a couple of weeks and you know you'll you'll find it just just as a recurring issue. But if you I recommend calling a professional obviously because that it's their problem, not your problem and and uh they are they are going to get it out quickly. I made the mistake of Googling head lice remover, removal this morning. So I would highly recommend making it your problem as well as opposed to yeah. mine because it was disgusting. It, it gets really nasty and it's overwhelming and stressful for everybody, the kids and the parents. And it, it brings on a whole level of stress that you didn't think you'd ever have to deal with. Well, I'm hoping the peppermint oil will reduce my saran wrap budget. I don't have to wrap my kids in saran wrap every day. That's, I'm going to try oh that. I'm going to try that instead. O- okay, Sarah? That sounds like a great idea. Sarah Phillips, thank you so much for joining us. Sarah is the Lice Lady. She runs the Slice of Lice Head Lice and Knit Removal Services. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and Loren. Canadian negotiators are ready to pick up where they left off at the NAFTA talks, but many are questioning whether the rules have changed. Yeah, yesterday the Trump administration announced it had reached a framework deal with Mexico. U.S. President Donald Trump tried to paint the deal as an agreement that Canada should join or face the consequences, which would include devastating tariffs on automotive imports. Despite the tough talk, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's office issued a statement saying that he had had a constructive conversation late Monday with Donald Trump. Joining us live now on 680 CJOB is Global National's chief political correspondent, David Aiken. David, thank you for joining us. A lot of tough talk being traded over the past few months, but many people anxious to see this deal be done. Are we thinking that could happen this week? Yes, as a matter of fact. And in fact, I'm talking to Canadian government officials involved with the talks, and they say that what Mexico and the U.S. did yesterday satisfies a lot of Canadian concerns. In fact, there's some Canadian ideas uh, in that particular deal, specifically on autos. And remember, we've been negotiating or renegotiating NAFTA, the three countries, for uh, you know more than a year now. And back in January, uh, Canada said, how about we do this on autos? The idea being to try to prevent... Uh, companies from taking good-paying jobs in Canada, good-paying jobs in the United States, and taking them down to Mexico, a low-wage environment. And Mexico has agreed that a certain percentage of all autos sold in America ought to be made in a, quote, high-wage jurisdiction. That benefits Canada. It was Canada's idea, and Mexico and the U.S. have agreed to it. Now, Mexico and the U.S. have been negotiating by themselves for the last five or six weeks. Why? Because there's a way bigger gap between uh, what Mexico was coming to the table with and the United States, a bigger gap than, say, Canada and the other partners. So now Canada is ready to go. But you're right, Trump is blustering and threatening yesterday, and he wants a deal by Friday. Um, doesn't get a deal, then he's th- threatening tariffs on Canadian cars. I don't think he understands that those tariffs are not paid by Canadians. <laughs> They're paid by American car consumers. So in any event, this is uh, this is 
a lot of it is just Trump politics, right? Because think, where's Trump right now? Think of the week he had last week. He was named as an unindicted co-conspiracy in his personal lawyer's criminal verdict, uh, you know, Michael Cohen's uh, criminal uh, plea there. It, it was a bad week for the U.S. president. And so he needs a win. Republicans need a win. They need it quick because we've got the U.S. midterms coming up. And so he's uh, talking tough to, to uh, Justin Trudeau. Fine. Let him talk tough all he wants. He wants to rename NAFTA. Fine. Who cares? So long as Canada gets the deal it wants, that's what's happening in Washington this week. Our foreign affairs minister is down there. Some of Trudeau's top aides are arriving this morning. And uh, and they're feeling cautiously optimistic. And now, David, we like to talk about sports on this radio station an awful lot and talk about uh, football in particular. Is mm-hmm. Are we learning how to read Donald Trump's playbook a little bit here? Are we predicting what he's doing here? Because uh, my partner oh, yeah. in crime here, uh, Brett McGarry, likes to say, this is just the art of the deal, is it not, in terms of Trump? He, he likes to get all blustery and puff out his chest just before it uh, seems as though things are all lost. We suddenly have a deal. Absolutely. In fact, I can tell you that the as soon as Trump was, you know, about to get elected, everybody inside the PMO read everything they could get their hands on about Trump. Going back to, you know, magazine interviews he gave in the 70s to try and figure out uh, this guy's headspace. And so they feel they're pretty uh, aware of Trump's negotiating tactic, and this fits right in. Uh, in fact, a lot of people are saying, you know, NAFTA was working relatively fine. Sure, there was some things that could have been fixed up. NAFTA was working fine until Donald Trump showed up to blow up NAFTA, and now he's fixing what he just blowed up. So this is, you know, he's created the crisis, and now he's taking credit for solving the crisis. And we saw this yesterday with Trump in the White House saying, you know, a lot of people said this couldn't be done, and, and aren't I a great guy, and I've managed to fix it. Fine. Take whatever political credit you want. The bigger picture here is hundreds of thousands of jobs on uh, in all countries uh, depend on that border um, keeping goods going back and forth of course it's about a billion and a half a day uh, between Canada and the United States here's the other thing Trump said yesterday too he said oh trade with Mexico is bigger than our small deal with Canada and he's got that wrong I mean everybody knows Canada is the United States single largest trading partner period the biggest trading deal that US has ever signed was the FTA with Canada the second biggest was the or the biggest beyond that was the NAFTA so this is a big deal that Canada's got in the house we've got a lot of support in the United States a lot of support from congressional republicans who say Canada's got to be part of this deal and uh, a lot of major american lobby groups uh, are also saying yesterday great job on mexico donald trump but you must get canada to be part of this deal David Aiken, Global National's Chief Political Correspondent, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. No problem, guys. Cheers. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.